I'm a big fan of using stories in presentations. When I first started giving presentations, I didn't even think that that was appropriate. But the the, the longer I am alive, the more I understand the the importance of telling stories, even in technical presentations, because it's not as if when when at least when I was a child, I used to like hearing stories. I mean, especially, especially going to bed, you know, your mom or dad read you a bedtime story. That was great. And it seems like as I got older, I moved away from it, especially from the technical presentation aspect. But even if you have a monotonous voice, if you're able to tell really interesting stories, you can get past the fact that you have a monotonous voice because people are going to be interested in hearing your stories and how they relate to the information that you actually want to convey to the audience. Welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. Today, I have the great pleasure of having with me Neil Thompson of Teach the Geek. After too many failed presentations, Neil, an engineer, knew he had to improve. He did so, and now he works with technical professionals like himself to improve their communication skills. He hosts a podcast, the Teach the Geek podcast, interviewing technical professionals about their public speaking journeys. He is also author of the book, Teach the Geek to Speak, a no-fluff public speaking guide for STEM professionals. Again, welcome to Papa PhD, Neil. Thanks for having me. Super happy to have you here. Uh, th this uh, question of um, kind of learning or relearning to communicate when you when you swap uh, your the, the public when you're no longer just talking to an academic public is such an important one, and uh, you've dedicated so much time, and you dedicate you know regularly so much time to to promoting this and uh, I, i really think it's a great great initiative and i'm uh, i'm i'm eager actually to go into it uh but first so i you know i kind of pre presented you very very fast and uh, in a very summary way uh can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit more Uh, and apart from the fact that you were born in Montreal, which I just learned this morning, uh, one thing more uh, so people can get to know Neil Thompson a little bit better. Sure. When it came to public speaking, it was something that I wasn't really looking to do. And it was because I was uncomfortable doing it. And I figured if I could just do the job that I was paid to do, that should be good enough. But I eventually realized that, no, that's not good enough at all. The first job that I had was as a research associate, and there was no public speaking, no communication really with anybody outside of my boss. He did all the communicating with other people within the company, and that wasn't something that I was all that upset about. I was quite happy with him doing all that work. It wasn't until that second job that I had working as a project lead did communicating with others become something I had to confront. When I took the job, it was actually as a product development engineer. It was only after a few months that I was told I was going to be a project lead. But was a project lead? The company was too cheap to hire project managers. So they pushed that responsibility onto the project product development engineers, one of which was giving presentations in front of management on a monthly basis. So we're talking the CEO, CTO, COO, mm -hmm. C, fill in the blank O, all those Cs. They're all in the room listening to my, myself and other project leads give project status updates. And those first few presentations that I gave were absolutely horrendous. They, I didn't know it was possible to sweat that profusely from one's body. It was, it was, it was actually rather <laughs> gross. You know, the, 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 your fingernails 
don't even have pores in them. So why are my fingernails wet? They're not supposed to be wet. But yeah, there they are. They're, they're wet, too. They're dripping from everywhere. The dry cleaning bills were ridiculous. But eventually, I saw the benefit of getting better at giving these presentations because my project was canceled. The project that I was actually brought into the company to do was canceled. And I took that as the wake-up call that maybe this is something I should get better at, giving these presentations in front of management. And what I ended up doing to get better was joining Toastmasters. For those okay. of you all that don't know, it's, a, it's an international organization whose goal is to help people with improving their public speaking skills. One of the benefits of Toastmasters is it gives you this excellent forum to practice your public speaking and just to get better at being comfortable giving presentations in front of people. The, the downside for it, especially if you're someone like myself who worked as an engineer, is we have to give particularly technical presentations. And if you're presenting in front of people who aren't used to that, well, perhaps their feedback on what you actually say, the actual content of your presentation, they can't really help you with, really. They can only help you with the more non the non-technical, I guess, or non-verbal parts of giving presentations. So I figured... What could I do to bridge that gap? And that's when I founded Teach the Geek. And that's when I developed a course that's geared towards people like myself, people who come from the technical fields, and just getting better at giving technical presentations, especially in front of non-technical audiences. And the course is called Teach the Geek to Speak. That's where it all started. Okay. Okay. It started with the course. Very good. And um, so... You know, you you said you said it you you said it in passing that the fact that your your position was 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 cancelled was was well disappeared uh, kind of woke you up to the fact that hey I need to be able to to be a better public speaker when I'm talking about my projects. Um, I imagine that well you went to Toastmasters, so there was a part there's a part in this learning which is practicing and doing it because i imagine that's what happens but again i'm saying i imagine i've never you know i i i know of toastmasters can you talk a little bit about what was it in in taking part in those in those presentations that kind of helped you and 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 kind of made you level up in terms of public speaking what were the key aspects Each Toastmaster meeting is broken up into three parts. And the first part is called table topics. The second is called prepared speeches. And the third is called evaluation. Table topics is working on impromptu speaking. So talking about topics that you weren't prepared to talk about. So oftentimes there's a question that's asked. You're even asked to use a particular word in answering the question. And you didn't know what the question was going to be beforehand. So you get a lot of practice speaking extemporaneously, which really helps your prepared speeches too, because you're able to be a little more comfortable giving prepared speeches when you're comfortable giving extemporaneous speeches or, or answers to questions. And then there's the, the prepared speeches, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. You actually prepare a speech, you're given a certain amount of time to deliver the speech and you're timed and, and you give your, your speech. And then there is the evaluation section where a person is tasked with evaluating your speech, your prepared speech, and you get really great feedback on, on, your, on your presentation and what you, what you did well and what you can do better. Other people in the Toastmasters Club who listen to your pr presentation can also give you feedback, which is also really helpful. 
although it's not all that helpful, you get conflicting feedback. <laughs> Someone <laughs> says, I like your eye contact. Another person says, you need to improve your eye contact. Well, what the hell are you supposed to do? <laughs> you figure it out as you go as you go on. But Toastmasters has been, as I mentioned, it was, it was a great forum to practice both prepared and, and not prepared public uh, presentations, but also to get feedback so you can get better. Cool. So, so like, you know, it is true that in academia, in research, the the formats and even the the type of language we use in presentations is very particular, uh, and it's you know you get practice you get a lot of practice in doing that type of communication. But uh, in your experience, you I think uh, it's it's fair to say that what you want people coming from these technical uh, careers or technical like uh, uh, paths is to be able to also talk to to audiences that are outside of the academic audience what's the main difference between an academic audience and an academic presentation and one that's to a larger public or even a smaller public but of non-technical people what are like what's like one big difference between the two that people often are not conscious of the jargon well, depending on the field that you're in, there's, I'm sure there's particular jargon that you use within that field. And it's well known what that jargon is amongst your peers. But if you're talking to a non-technical audience, they may, know, they may not know what you're talking about when you use those particular words. I can remember I was at a, an event and the presentation was on marketing. And my background is in engineering. I know very little about marketing. But they were using these terms like up, upstream marketing and downstream marketing and I had no clue what either of those terms meant. When I think of a stream, I'm thinking about a river, but they're not talking about rivers. They're talking about marketing. But I was so I was so uncomfortable asking the question at the end, what's upstream marketing? What's downstream marketing? Because I didn't want to look like a fool in front of all these other people who I assumed knew exactly what those terms meant. But th- that was an assumption I made. That wasn't necessarily the mm-hmm. case. There very well could have been other people in the audience that had no clue, just like me, what upstream and downstream marketing mean. So it's really helpful when it comes to giving presentations in front of audiences that are outside your field of expertise is using words that are more commonly used or at least explaining, giving definitions to the terms that may be outside of the, outside of the knowledge of people from outside your field of expertise. That's I think is the biggest difference between technical talks that are given to more technical people and technical talks that are given to more non-technical people. And uh, now thinking of different audiences, you were the first thing you mentioned was this job that you had that it, that kind of required you to uh, uh, do these presentations, uh, and you know there's there's a whole gamut of audiences from like the large the vast public to smaller and smaller ones, uh, you know, even up to let's say a boardroom of people in a company, and um, I imagine that some of the people that you work with, for example, if uh, they are, uh, let's say, technical people with the technical training, but that are uh, now in um, in a startup, let's say, and need to talk with business people, uh, is this something you cover? And and uh, is this is this also an issue that people that come to you uh, kind of present? Hey, I need to talk with business people, and I don't feel comfortable. Uh, or I don't know how to approach this or this subject. Is this something that you see? Oh, 100%. 
and the the main the main goal of of presenting in front of people is well you need to know who your audience is so if you're a technical person that's talking to business people what are the type of information that they're going to want to hear in your presentation and you need to tailor your presentation to those people something that i certainly didn't do when i started giving presentations in front of management all those years ago was tailor the presentation to these people i would slap a bunch of slides together read the slides and try to get out of there as quickly as possible but i never got out of there as quickly as possible because i w- because unlike myself in that marketing event where i was worried about asking questions these executive types they weren't worried about asking questions at all they asked a whole bunch of questions and so uh, mm-hmm. i go i'd oftentimes get these questions that i thought i'd answered during the presentation but because i didn't put it in such a way that these people could understand now i'm getting these questions and i already mentioned i was sweating a lot so now I'm sweating even more because <laughs> I'm answering these questions. It's just a sweaty mess altogether. And, uh, and it wasn't as if I was a unicorn in this instance. I know I was, used to sit in on some of the other presentations by some of the other project leads who typically were engineers too. And they weren't all that much better than I was. And I think even looking back on it, the biggest problem we had was just putting things in a way that people from outside our, our, our field of expertise can understand. So even if you're a technical person speaking in front of management, you're speaking in front of business people in a startup, you're pitching invest potential investors, you know, all these various, all these various scenarios that you could find yourself in. Number one rule is to know the people you're speaking to and what type of, of backgrounds they have and, and what you need, how you need to convey your information in a way they can understand. Yeah, you need to do your homework and eventually, like you said, tailor the presentation that you're doing to the audience, the people that are going to be in front of you. Now, you also just, you know, again, we kind of in, in, in passing and, and in, in jokingly, you know, mentioned the, the <laughs> profuse sweating, which is, uh, you know, uh, which is a, uh, a translation of emotions that you're going through and anxiety maybe that you're going through. Um, and I know, like, thinking back of when I was doing like journal clubs and presentations like that, you know, I, I also felt these types of, of, uh, of uh, kind of physical expressions of, of anxiety or fear, you know, fight or flight, etc. Is that, um, is that something that uh, there are tricks for thinking back? I have the feeling a lot of us were like introverts, you know, and go, we went through, through this and I, I wasn't the only one I'm sure is there is there a, is there something you can do uh and of course i'm thinking one of them for sure is practicing but um apart apart from that is this something you approach with the people that that you coach this dealing with the internal aspect of things visualize success and this is something that i didn't use to do when i started giving presentations but it's it's definitely been a game changer for me it's actually closing your eyes and visualizing how you want the the presentation to go. And it's also telling yourself that you're improving in your presentation skills and not getting down on yourself and saying that you're you're terrible at it. Because if you if you do that, then you will be. But if you say that you're improving, then you'll most likely will do that too. And if all else fails, if you're a profuse sweater, wear sweaters. They hide sweat really well. <laughs> I love this. Um one thing that that you mentioned that just now that is really really important is there's just this positive self talk of of hey i'm getting better at this and it's it's not something you you hear about a, a lot um but I, I do think that the fear has to do with the mindset and and with 
the fact that you're not in your comfort zone. In any of of this um, like curriculum, is there some uh, some re- rehearsing? Do people uh, like do pitches and then have other uh, members uh, give feedback on that? I'm just trying to f- to find you know based on your experience, what are the key practices that help people get better you know with time? Well, at least as a, as it it stands now. Most of the people actually come, especially to the the monthly calls with with specific issues that perhaps they're having with the with a perhaps a speech that they have or a presentation that they have coming up. So they'll ask a question like, "What can I do to improve the, this particular intro?" Or these are the points that I plan on making. What what kind, what order do you think I should make the points in, so that they make sense? Or because I'm speaking in front of this particular audience, what do you think I should highlight as opposed to other things that perhaps not highlight as much. The, the, the questions are rather actually rather targeted and and specific when when it comes to the people who are who join the membership and so that that's how, that's kind of how it's evolved over time. But it certainly could be I could give a you know, someone could say, well, I have a presentation to give. Could I give you know a, a snippet of it and you can give me feedback on, on what you like about it and and what what we can improve on. The other thing that I was curious. Uh, about is uh, in your experience, or even maybe in, in experiences of coaches of yours or guests on your podcasts, do you have do you have a story of uh, a change in you know in trajectory of a, either a project or a career based on having prepared to to be better at public speaking? You know, kind of a a story of uh, could be yours again or someone else's of how training and, and practicing and getting better at it changed the trajectory either of uh, of someone or of a project um you know and anything kind of depicts what it can bring you what it can give you this 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 type of training and a practice well there have been a number of guests on the podcast who started off in one place and ended up somewhere completely different and that happened in part because they became more comfortable talking in front of others because when that happens it, it tends to open up new opportunities that perhaps you didn't even consider there is a guest that i had a number of months ago now but i always mention her she started off as a civil engineer never worked as one though then she w- went to law school and did work as a, an attorney for about four years and then she was a stay-at-home mom for about 10 years and now she works as a personal stylist That is quite the that is quite the journey going from civil engineer to personal stylist, and you don't tend to make those type of of changes if you don't become more comfortable in just speaking with others. I mean, if you're a, a personal stylist, that's to even get clients, you're going to have to be able to pitch them, and you don't get that you don't get comfortable pitching clients and and and, and getting prospects through moving them through a, a marketing or a sales funnel unless you become comfortable just presenting and, and, and talking in front of people. And it starts with it starts from 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 the beginning and seeing like myself, seeing the benefit of becoming more adept at giving presentations in front of others. And w- another thing that I'll mention is I saw the benefit of getting better at, at presentations because I noticed that a lot of the people who would move up within corporations would be the ones who were visible. And who are the ones that were visible? 
the ones who talked. The people who stood at their side of their desks and did their work and expected other people to notice and give them promotions, that, that never materialized for them and they became bitter because of it. But all they had to do was just mimic what the people who were moving up in organizations were doing. I mean, it wasn't, it didn't, at least to me, it didn't seem like it was all that, I guess, clandestine or just like a secret. We knew what it was. It's they're well connected and they're well connected because they talk to the decision makers. They they're good at forming those kind of alliances and, and, and gaining that visibility within companies. If you sit at your as I said, you sit at your desk and and expect for things to happen, they typically don't. And why would you expect that anyway? I mean Everyone at the company is, is thinking about themselves and their own progression, their own advancement. But you think you're going to be top of mind to them? I think it's a rather unrealistic expectation to have. You have to be your biggest self-advocate. I really find it super, super interesting that you say that because it's come up uh, for me in other conversations uh, in another context completely. But it really, really makes sense that you do need to advocate for yourself. And somehow corporations, companies are, are communities. And networking is part of part of being in a community, and evolving in a community is networking, and networking is communicating. So it, it does make a hundred percent total sense to me. Um, now, one thing that I'd like to challenge you with: I would be of the opinion that honing these skills, these public speaking skills, would be an advantage to you, even if you stay within academia or within your your you know, domain of expertise. Do you have a comment on that? Of course it would. I remember being in engineering school and having professors and they did lectures and most of them were horrible at it. For God, it was, it was terrible. And, and, and they didn't care, apparently, because it would seem like every year it would be the same thing. As, you don't seem to be trying to get better at this, at this communicating with others. But that's, how, that's, that's very well how some people learn. Some people learn by reading. Some people learn by listening. And, and if you're not adept at at communicating so that the people who are really trying to listen and gain what you have to say can't, well, then you just wasted everyone's time. You wasted your time with the lecture. You wasted their time and the people in, in the audience. So certainly if you stay within academia and you're a, prof- uh, you know, a tenure track professor who teaches classes, that's going to help. It's going to help in communicating with your postdocs and, and grad students so they know exactly what you expect of them. It's just, it's going to help in just even communicating with, with, Funding sources to get your your projects funded. It's it just there's no downside to improving your your presentation and public speaking skills. You covered all the points that I that I thought might be interesting, and this one of funding uh, I think is is a key one. And uh, I believe at least here in Canada, more and more um, the grants require uh, the research groups to have some aspect of communication, of uh, popularization, of knowledge transfer. And guess what? You can't go into those types of communication with uh, academic uh, jargon like you were mentioning at the beginning. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I kind of was expecting an, uh, that answer and, and, and you kind of gave it fully, which uh, which is great. I think it is really important. And that's why, you know, I, I really find that you being here today uh, is really uh, is really interesting and important for the, the Papa PhD audience because... This is not a question of oh, if I uh, if I pivot out of academia, then I should uh, I should get better at public speaking. Uh, I believe that if you if you uh, if you have the, the time to do it, 
you should take you should take that time and do it because it, it can only uh, uh, impact you positively be it in your profile as a young researcher or as or as a you know a, a senior researcher but also then if you're pivoting out well in in learning to engage with different audiences in ways that they will understand that will interest them that will um that will retain their attention etc 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 neil now one thing that i always like to do when specialist and expert comes on the show is to to try to uh get the the audience to learn one or two tips or tricks that they can start using to uh get better in a, in this way or that way in in our case today we're talking about about speaking and public speaking i already talked about the the aspect of anxiety and you already mentioned uh you know the the, the question of uh visualizing also the the, the fact that uh, the way you dress may be strategic depending on on how your body reacts to being in that you know in in that uncomfortable situation but uh, is there another uh, exercise another practice another habit maybe that you can suggest uh, young young researchers and i'm thinking of people in graduate school you know uh, that they can um put in place to you know each time they present to kind of try to level up in in some way or another or keep track of their evolution Sure, I can offer two. The first one is to have a call to action for your presentations. What do you want the audience that you're speaking to to do after the presentation? And I, I firmly believe that you start with that, what that call to action is, and then you build backwards. So basically, the, the points that you want to make during your presentation will funnel to what that call to action is. And then the introduction will funnel to the points that you want to make, which will then funnel to the call to action. So that's, that would be my first tip. Start with the call to action. Figure out what that is and then work backwards. The second one would be about timing. And this is a big pet peeve of mine. I used to go to a number of conferences when I worked as an engineer. And a lot of them were technically based. And quite a number of the presenters had academic bents to them. So they would be postdocs. Some would be grad students, even some professors. And if you're sleepy, don't go to one of those talks. Because you will likely... <laughs> <laughs> unless you go unless you bring a cup of coffee with you you're gonna doze you, off you, yes you will likely doze off and and the the issue i think a lot of them have is just the timing of it so a lot of times you're given the amount of time that you're that you have to present you know 10 minutes 15 minutes whatever it is and people so often go over and the, the reason they go over likely is because they didn't practice enough beforehand and, and when it comes to the actual practicing practice the time but with a twist So, for instance, if you have 15 minutes to present, don't practice so that you end at 15 minutes. Practice that you end at about 14. Because oftentimes, during the actual presentation, you may very well say something that you didn't plan or you didn't practice. But if you do that, you at least still have that one-minute buffer to play with so that you still finish within the 15 minutes. So my two tips, have a call to action and practice to time, but still leave buffer in the event that you say something that you didn't plan on on the day of the presentation. Now, one thing you talking you talked about people being boring. And I you know, I was looking for another word but that's the word. <laughs> uh people being boring while while presenting. And you know, I it's been a while for me since I finished my PhD, but I know that in some settings you want to be kind of dry to the point and give the data and not 
be too flashy, but there's this question of intonation. Uh, because you were talking about the speed or the pacing, and there's not this other dimension, which is the intonation. Is it something, you know, if, if people tell you, oh, it's a bit monotonous, is, it, is there something you can do to, to try to, to bring a little bit more color auditively, let's say, to your presentation, but staying, still staying, staying serious in a way? I'm a big fan of using stories in presentations. When I first started giving presentations, I didn't even think that, that was appropriate. But the, the, the longer I am alive, the more I understand the, the importance of telling stories, even in technical presentations. Because it's not as if, when, when, at least when I was a child, I used to like hearing stories. I mean, especially, especially going to bed, you know, your mom or dad reads you a bedtime story. That was great. And it seems like as I got older, I moved away from it, especially from the technical presentation aspect. But even if you have a monotonous voice, if you're able to tell really interesting stories, you can get past the fact that you have a monotonous voice because people are going to be interested in hearing your stories and how they relate to the information that you actually want to convey to the audience. It's a great idea. And it's true that as humans, we are kind of formatted to like storytelling. And anyway, now you hear a lot of you hear a lot of talk about storytelling left and right. And it's true that, you know, even even if it's a you know a serious you know conference presentation a little bit of storytelling does make it more appealing and and does keep you keep your interest throughout a presentation that might be uh, that might be long ish but then of course once you steer away from just the pure like academic presentation then i think the gamut that you uh, you know of emotion or of uh, or of storytelling that you can that you can include in your presentations gets you know i think gets wider and wider up till uh, like science popularization or presenting science to kids where then you're on the other side of the spectrum where then you say okay you know what i'm just going to cover two uh, scientific concepts and i'm going to do really great at telling the story being colorful etc cetera, etc cetera. but uh, i do think that uh, this doesn't mean that at the other end of the spectrum which is like i was saying like an academic presentation that you should be completely devoid of it. So I think it's a great point to um, find some way of telling a yarn, telling a story around the the data that you're presenting. Hundred percent. Yeah, and then uh, what I do think the the, the fringe benefit of that is uh, that if if you end up, um, let's say, presenting the, that same data to uh, you know, you cross someone in the elevator, your PI says, hey, this is the, the benefactor of, I don't know, the Institute. Can you tell them about your project? Well, you won't have just the data, which the person will just like glaze over and, and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, thank you. And if you have this story or uh, this this way of telling it that's more interesting, you'll be half ready to have a better outcome of that conversation already. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I, you know, when you were talking, it reminded me of the conferences that I used to go to when I worked as an engineer. And I always got the sense that a lot of the people who were giving presentations, they were doing it not necessarily to convey information, really, but they're doing it as a more of a box checking mm -hmm. exercise, especially the, the, the academic types is, well, I, I need to present here so I can put it on a CV that I presented at this, at this particular conference. And maybe there's a potential a PI in the audience of who I want to work with for my postdoc. And this is why I want to give this presentation to just, you know, put, put myself in front of this person. And, 
and that's all fair and that's all fine and good. But if you're able to then still in, implement stories to make the int- more interesting, it'll just appeal to more people in the audience. So you very well could have someone like myself who was working at a company come up to you afterwards and, and talk to you about the presentation. But if you didn't put it in such a way that perhaps someone like myself who might be from outside your field of expertise can understand, well, I'm not coming up to you. I'm, I'm probably trying to, to leave and, and, and find the, the nearest coffee <laughs> to try to wake myself up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, storytelling to to fight monotony—it's it's a great point, uh, and and it's true that n- not everyone has you know a, a kind of a radio type voice, and, and you know, I, I, it's inter- it's important to to also have people be comfortable with the voice that they have um and and yeah it's it's um it's a great strategy to circumvent that if it's the case but i think it's it's an ingredient that should be used part you know with parsimony but that should be used to make things uh more more interesting and i think it gets more interesting to the person too you know if you if you're building a presentation and try to make a story out of it or add some element of storytelling into it I think it's more interesting to you too, just that that exercise than just laying the data out there. Uh, um, of course, I, I think this also can apply this these skills and this practice of of uh, getting better at public spe- uh, public speaking. Um, again, thinking back at conferences, there's the the typical presentation, you know, PowerPoint and podium, etc. But there's also poster presentations. And I think that even though a poster is even like kind of a more, how can I say, a more reduced format, very condensed, I think that you can also perform at presenting it better if you put some uh, some of that uh, teach the geek like ingredients or, or magic in there. Oh yeah, I, I I believe that too. I remember when I used to have to present posters. It wasn't something I really liked to do because you got to stand up a, a whole lot of time, you know, standing up by your pose. You better wear some comfortable shoes. But be, to be able to convey what the, what the poster says in, in a short amount of time, I think could be really helpful in just having people stand around and actually listen. Because oftentimes they'll just look at the poster for a little bit and then they'll just, you know, move on. Because oftentimes those posters are chock full of text. So, I mean, you're just going to spend a lot of time reading. And but if you're actually good at conveying the information, and I, as I mentioned, in a tight way that's interesting to to people, using the storytelling that I, that I mentioned earlier, it can be really helpful in just having people stay at your at your at your poster a little longer, as opposed to just glancing and moving on. Mm-hmm. We're getting to the end of of this interview, and um, I've already shared. Uh, we've I quickly shared your. Know how people can reach you out, but I'll I'll let you uh, share that yourself too. But just before we do that, uh, imagine um, I'm a graduate student. I have this. Uh, I don't know. I I have like fear, let's say, of of uh, presenting. But now there's this presentation I need to give. The head of the the institute's going to be there. What would be like? If you're the, the the you know like you know like boxers, they have someone pe- pepping them up in the corner there. What would be uh, you, Anil, uh, the 
like these these words of encouragement and this pep talk that you would give to someone who's now dealing with this like anxiety and maybe this idea that I'm not so good at this what's the pep talk of uh, of coach neil so i have a podcast and one of the questions i typically ask my guests on the podcast is when it comes to nerves how do you deal with them and i always get some very interesting answers mm-hmm. but when it comes to nerves you're going to have them and you should if you actually care about what you're talking about so the fact that you're you're nervous about giving a presentation is normal because you actually care about the outcome of the actual presentation so that's not something to to run away from to to at least manage them so that you're not you know shaking nervous and shaking uncontrollably or, or sweating profusely from the from the podium or from the stage I'm a big fan of first I mentioned the visualization so that really helps to to calm you down And then I'm also a fan of using physical activity, just slight exercises like knee bends, maybe a walk around the, the perimeter of the building of wherever you're going to be presenting at or walk around the room. It's just to help to dissipate that nervous energy so that when you finally hit the stage, you're, more, you're in a better mindset to actually give a, a useful and, and, and helpful presentation. So that, that certainly would be my, my, my advice. Nerves are normal because it, it shows that you mm-hmm. care and then you can visualize and use slight exercise to, to minimize the nerves. Mm, very good. Uh, it's, it's great. It's great advice. I've never done that and I'll try it next time. I'm, I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've done a live in-person presentation, but I remember the first times I did like these, these types of, of things. There's the first minute where it's really hard. It feels like, I don't know, you're falling, you know, you're falling in a crevasse or whatever. And then after that minute, something, you know, there's, there's this space that, that, insta- that is installed and that you start talking and you start going through your things and then it disappears. So also I'd say, give yourself, accept that first minute of maybe physical uh, uh, expressions of your, of your anxiety and say, you know, there's, this is, in a minute or so it'll be fine <laughs> so don't don't fret too much about that yeah i mean you're def- you're definitely not alone in that and i think a lot of people would give you grace because they very well know that they could they could be in that position too having to give presentations that first minute might be a bit uncomfortable then it's smooth sailing from there neil uh now if people want to learn more about teach the geek if they want to reach out and ask you questions uh directly what's the best way to find you to find teach the geek and to reach out to you Well, you can go to teachthegeek.com, and my email is hello at teachthegeek.com. I mentioned that I have a podcast and a YouTube channel. The, the podcast essentially is an audio version of the YouTube channel. I interview people in the technical fields about their public speaking journey. You know, I did mention the woman that I – one of the, my past guests, the civil engineer to personal stylist. That's just one of the many interviews that I've, I've since done. And it's really interesting to learn their personal or their public speaking journeys and their career journey. So you can check that out. I release an episode every Wednesday. Cool. Very cool. Well, Neil, uh, Neil Thompson, this has been a pleasure. Uh, I, I find it really cool that, that you're helping people, uh, you know, cross that kind of, uh, that kind of obstacle that a lot of us find in, uh, in, in being comfortable 
not becoming awesome public speakers, but just at least being comfortable enough with it to come out natural and to be successful in our communications. I think it's a great mission, and I'm super happy that that uh, you you accepted to come on the Papa PhD podcast. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. Don't forget, go. We know we are creators. Me, Neil. So go to our podcasts if you like the subject. Subscribe. Um, if you can leave a comment. Or uh, for the podcast, if you can leave us uh, some stars or better yet, uh, a review. Uh, I think, Neil, you'll agree. It's something we appreciate a lot. Um, and the same thing for our YouTube channels. Uh, if, you, uh, if you go and, uh, and come by and like what you see, subscribe, say hi. It's always, uh, it's always a pleasure to see that and, and we'll respond and be uh, very grateful to you. 